Hermione jumped to her feet. She hadn't looked so excited since they'd got back the marks for the very first piece of poetry. Welcome back to another episode of the of Muggles and Mudbloods podcast. My name is Tavi Wickman, and I'm here with... Mona Musa. What's up, everybody? We are talking about, of course, Chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Foster Stone, Nicholas Flamel. Um, I hope you all enjoyed last week's episodes, episode and the great title there, I think. Oh, that was that was brilliant! Like when we came up with it, I couldn't stop laughing. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I do stand-up comedy. Um, so this week we are talking about we are going into a few things. We are going to be going into a bit about the Quidditch match and things there, recapping from a few things we've ne- ne- mentioned in earlier podcasts, introducing one new part of the pod, recapping the chapter, and of course. This chapter, we are talking about the real Nicholas Flamel and the connections he has to the magical world. So that's going to be a lot of fun and a bit about the Fluffer Stone in general and other alchemists that try to find it. So without further ado, Mona, are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Harry takes Dumbledore's advice to stop visiting Demure. After the Christmas break, the trio resume their search for Nicholas Flamel through Harry's time, um, even though Harry's like uh, going for Quidditch practice, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the practices, Harry learns that Snape will be refereeing the next game, and him and his friends wonder if Snape's going to try and harm Harry like he's done previously. Harry tells Neville that Neville needs to learn to stand up to Malfoy after being bullied. Neville turns to leave, but he gave Harry a famous wizard card for his collection. That is very important. Harry becomes and more nervous. Your time is that seriously 30 seconds? I Unbelievable. know. Unbelievable, but it is. I think we should do one minute recaps in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we're doing one minute recaps. Anyway... It's a really interesting chapter. Um, lots of things happen, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Quidditch match is over in five minutes, which is part of our gripe with Quidditch matches, that you shouldn't be able to spend more time walking to the game than <laughs> playing it. Like, imagine, like, getting, like, half an hour, getting ready, putting your costume on like Luna Lovegood does, her massive lion head thing <laughs> movies mm-hmm. you get there and the game is over in five minutes and you're done and you go home it's like it's like so much effort people getting dressed up and ready and like harry and no uh ron and hermione are ready to defend harry and everything and it's like oh it's done within five minutes yeah Jeez, so much for yeah, the exactly. so, so that that's something that i got irritated by um but i think but it was a I think it was a good thing that the match ended within five minutes because it wouldn't give time for uh, Snape to harm Harry. But at the same time, something that I didn't mention at the recap, Harry was saved because Dumbledore was there. Also, Snape is on our side. Thought twist. Um, yeah. I mean, no, nobody knows yet. Well, spoiler. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the fact that Snape was, you know, giving out penalties for everything. Although, and this is a 
very fair note. The penalty they gave out to the Weasley twins for whacking a bludger towards him is perfectly warranted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. I would do the same thing and try and whack Snape with anything. So, but we love this, him. this week, though, we're starting with blessings, and I'm going to do the first one this week. And the person that I want to bless, the person I want, want to show a little bit of extra appreciation to, is Neville Longbottom. Yes. Because this is where he really, he comes into his own here. Um, he, he is this character that, that is always the, the fourth wheel in the trio's <laughs> adventures. And he is given credit in the movies for the gillyweed that Dobby gives him for the second task to get give him gills so he can you know gilly oh gilly, yeah yeah gilly. yeah yeah um, great name creation rolling fantastic <laughs> well done the diagonal diagonal alley the dark nocturnal alley um creativity a1 Ten story universe great names <laughs> there's some issues there but and this is this is a this is a really really interesting thing is that the chocolate card that Harry gets that shows them that or lets them know that Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel work together comes from Neville. It's like the little things that he does has like Neville is the you know he is that little the one little push they need to get. Mm-hmm from point A to point B, he's always there, you know, they're making the slight difference, you know, the, the room requirement that he gets credit for in the movies as well, or chopping the head of Nagini, he's really like, he's always in, just in the background, being a fucking champ. Yeah, and especially the fact that he tried to fight off um, Crab and oh yeah, the, the, other, the other guy, like trying to take them both, himself i was like go neville tiny little 11 year old versus two giants like i i really like that part because we have having this chapter neville expressing some doubt that he is deserving of a place in gryffindor and there is no doubt in my mind that he proves it right here and Mm -hmm. again and again and again that he is to the Marrow of his bones, a Gryffindor. So I want to bless I'm, Neville Longbottom because that guy. I'm, I'm like getting, I'm getting goosebumps just like you know talking about Neville because he's like he deserves it. He's Neville's great. He is oh. the, the, does not get enough love, and Neville's amazing. Yay, Neville! And and the glow up, like you know, post Harry Potter, like oh my god. Yeah, there was something in the water, wasn't there? Huh. Like, there must have been, like, every person in the movie is just, like, glow up. Yeah, but, but you know, everybody had their own goal. But then there's Neville. He went from, like, zero to 100. Anyway, today we are going to talk a bit about the fantastic character in the Harry Potter universe that is a real person. Um, and that is, of course, Nicholas Flamel. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Sorry. Just putting but, it out there. Yeah, so I did my research. Um, Nicholas Mel was a scribe, bookbinder, and bookseller based in Paris, France, during the end of the Middle Ages. He 
he wrote in his diary that he found the secret to transform lead in 1382. The feat may seem unlikely, but you know, records do show that he was actually very wealthy, which is part of what is believed to have been the reason why they assumed that he did find the source of the philosopher's stone. Okay. Flamel was a bookbinder, a scribe, a copywriter, not the modern type of, type of copywriter that, you know, writes copy for uh, ads, but, you know, he was writing okay. copies before the printing press was invented. Um, uh -huh. Anyway, not exactly a, a cash cow career, to, put it, to be fair, um, which is why, considering the fact that, that Flamel was a rich, rich person, people assumed that he was, that he had found the Philosopher's Stone and was thereby using that to produce all his wealth. The truth is that he had married a only child. Um, his wife, Parnell, was wealthy. Oh, that's sneaky. Yeah, he pulled a George Washington and married a rich woman. I'd love to do that, marry someone rich and get rich by default, people assuming that I'm rich. Yeah, just is married to money. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can do that. That's a that, that is an option. Um, <laughs> I hope that is not your your like deciding factor. Does he have cash or not? I mean, nobody uses cash. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny here. I know it's really sorry. Guys. Yeah, no, we're in Sweden. Everyone uses plastic. Oh um, yeah, when I was in Brussels last week, like they the places don't accept cards, and I'm like. Right, yeah. sorry, off topic, off topic, apologies. Yeah, uh, context here, I am being abandoned in Stockholm. Mona is leaving me for Belgium for her master's studies, and I am highly distraught. But I've, I've got a binding contract for like five or more years, so you're going to never get rid of me. Exactly. Anyway, so Flamel is this, this book binder. He has... He studied at the University of Paris, um, and he does have his background there with, with alchemy, but there's no proof that he actually worked with it um, following that. There's no proof that he continued his alchemical career. All of this was you know, a search that went on for a few hundred years after Flamel died. Um, sure. there, are, there are really um, people that searched for their for the Philosopher's Stone and such up until the 18th century. So, and alchemy, alchemy and chemistry were, were generally two interchangeable terms until the dawn of modern science. Um, so one of the more recent and more well-known searches of, for the Philosopher's Stone was Isaac Newton. Seriously? Yeah. Recognized as one of the fathers of modern science. Like he is- Yeah, exactly. And yet he thinks that philosopher, the Philosopher's Stone is a thing. Well, why not? Like, if he knew everything that we could do today with science, grow organs in a lab and, you know, brain surgery and put people on the moon, he'd be like, and yeah. what about the stone? Can you transfigure iron into gold? And why haven't you done it yet? Like many of the things we have discovered would seem 
just as plausible as that, to be fair, if you're looking at it from that time point, right? Yeah, for, like from that time point, sure, it does make sense because everything was um, insane back then. But yeah. thinking about it now, it's like, mm, no. Probably. But I would, I would really enjoy seeing, um, being the economics nerd that I, that I am, would be to see what, like, if somebody had, you know, found the Philosopher's Stone, what would ha- would have happened to, like, the gold standard for currency? <laughs> it's like, ha, fuck you, gold standard. You are done. <laughs> it would have got us to, like, a, you know, commodities-based economy much faster. Mm-hmm. Because, like, <laughs> you'd have, you know, one guy sitting there with, like, half the world's gold and, in other words, like, half the world's money. Fuck you, everyone that stopped potting gold. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I think you'd have you'd have countries like waging wars over the stone, basically. Yeah, that that is insane. Like wars just for a little stone. Well, I mean, not little. I don't know how big it is, but still, it's it's fairly little in the books and in the and in the movie as well, of course. Um, so yeah, that that's Nicholas Fumel. Um, the legend is that he had a dream where an angel came to him with a book that would contain the secrets um, of the Philosopher's Stone. And mm-hmm. he, this is you know, the, the legend, of course. And Wait, that, that's in real life or in legend. the book? It's, it's oh, the, okay. the legend of Nicholas Fumel. And okay. time passes, he forgets about it. And then somebody comes to him with a book to sell. Mm-hmm. And it's the book from his dream. So obviously he buys it immediately. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, he can't read it. It's a, it's in Jewish scripture, um, the Kabbalah, I think it is called. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have the references and the know-how to interpret it. And being mm-hmm. in Paris, um, the Jewish community in Paris is small. The Jewish community in France is small. They, they have issues with anti-Semitism and so he instead chooses to go to Spain with some excerpts of the book and finds a former Jew converted to Catholicism um, in, in Spain that decides to come with him back to France. Mm-hmm. The guy he finds in Spain unfortunately dies on the trip. In oh, Orleans. shit. And, but by this time, Kamal has learned enough to produce it. Okay, that's or good. Or yeah. to translate the text. He mm-hmm. translated, translates it, he produces it, he fakes his death, and he and his wife move to the Indies. Oh, well. He's like, peace. But does that mean, did he discover the Philosopher's Stone? No, this is, this is just a legend. Um, <sighs> but maybe, maybe there's a really, really old monk living somewhere in a cave in the Indies. Um, and he's just... Chilling. You know, travel there and be whispering Nicholas Flamel everywhere in hopes he'll recognize his own <laughs> name. Yeah, um, which is my kind of question, but why would J.K. Rowling say that Nicholas Flamel is in Dorset? I don't know. Like, he's, he's from Paris. Why doesn't he just live in Paris? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> It's it's J.K. Rowling. I mean, like it's J.K. Rowling. She is she ha- she is weird. She has her issues. Um, yeah, she makes shit up. Obviously, you know, she wrote an entire book series about a made of wizards. So, 
Mm -hmm. um, if she changes some facts about people, that's fine, I think. Um, it's, not, it's not that questionable, so we can let it slide. Yeah, but the, the important thing for me is that this, this, this entire thing became a question after Flamel died. This is all post-communist. These are all people trying to explain what, how he had so much money and things like that. So it's, it's really a, it's really a 600 year old conspiracy theory. I mean, people focus on conspiracy theories like ugh, from that long, they, they could have focused on something a lot better, making the world better, saving the environment, but not focusing on a 600 year old conspiracy. Theory. No, but like Parisian socialists, socialists being like, how did he get so rich? Ah, it must have been he, he had invented this stone. He could have married <laughs> a rich person. Like it's, oh, no, no. It's a conspiracy theory, basically. <laughs> that has now made him... Imagine being like, 600 years from now, you will um, be referenced in, uh, like in children's stories as an inventor of a legendary object. Yeah, I mean, like his kids and his grandkids and his grand-grand-grand-grand-grandkids that are alive now, if he has any, they were like, oh my God, our grand 10,000 times father has been mentioned in our books. There actually is a, a building in Paris built in 1407 that was paid for by Flamel. Whoa. Now um, a restaurant dedicated to him. <gasps> there, are, there is a, a Rue Nicolas uh, Flamel and a a road named after his wife as well in Paris. So there is that connection there. All right, I, I need to remember that when I go to go and visit Paris so I can go and sit there and go to the, to the road and be like, <laughs> Oh, exactly, just, exactly. Just anyway, so um, before we round off here, I, I wanna get go back to a couple things that we got into mm -hmm. in a few previous episodes. Uh, number one is the mention of replacements or um, backup players for Harry, but he can't drop out because they don't have any backup seeker, um, which is which is something that connects to how many students there are at Hogwarts. If you can have, if you have a tendency to have backup players, then I am sure that you'd have to have more players on the team um, than seven, which means you'd have to have more students at Hogwarts. So this will have to go back into our 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 demographics and population episode uh, that will be coming up hopefully next uh -huh. season. Um, the other thing is, remember my rant about uh, magic carpets and brooms? Oh, Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have an answer to that. What answer? We have an answer to why magic carpets are banned by the Ministry of Magic. Okay, and what is the reason? Well, where are magic carpets or um, those kind of carpets made? Not in the mm. UK. Yeah. This is, this is economic protectionism. It oh. is the Ministry of Magic engaging in protectionist economic policies to, pr pr to provide the broom making industry of the UK a safe market oh, without that's smart. the interference of those pesky much more comfortable much more useful 
modes of transit that are primarily produced in the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, that, that does make sense. But also, you know, they'll have money. They can import. And you've got Quidditch. Ugh, yeah, but you've got Quidditch. People do spend money on brooms and stuff, but they can, they can still import them. It'll be an easy way of transportation for like a family. Everyone just sits down on the rug and flies off. Exactly. That'll be easy. Well, that's the thing. Like, you could easily have one broom and a, or two brooms and a magic carpet for a family of five, and that's fine. Yeah. But if the magic carpet's banned, you need five brooms. That, and that would probably be a lot more costly. Exactly. Which is why you'd most likely get that. Which is why the Ministry of Magic has banned mag- flying carpets in the UK to protect the, the economy, economy of the broom makers, which has to, yeah, we need to spec go into how yeah. many broom makers there have to be and that kind of stuff. But this is a fairly interesting concept, I think. The fact that the Ministry of Magic is going into economic protection, protectionism for its broom industry. I mean, that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's like quite questionable. Yeah. Um, so, so without this protectionism, maybe broom, the broom industry would be a niche. And, how, well, I guess you could say um, they'd be the, you know, the sports cars. They'd be, they'd be making the competitive um, racing bikes. Mm-hmm. of the wizarding world that's what they, that's the job they will be doing um instead of having the um having a sort of luxury sedan that is or minivan <laughs> that is the <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is the much more convenient and comfortable mm-hmm. um magic carpet so with that being said um and us going into <laughs> wizarding economics in this episode <laughs> um, i'm like shaking my head right here <laughs> oh, God. yeah i think it's time for us to round off um before we mm-hmm. do i i really want to rec- recommend the chapter 13 episode um nicholas Hamel of the harry potter and the sacred text podcast with Catherine Tercal and Vanessa Zoltan. They have a great chapter talking about hope and it's absolutely glorious. So do check them out. Um, They have have gotten to the sixth or seventh book now, which means that you can do, you can binge that and you can come back to us (laughs) um, and keep listening to us because we'll be here for the next few years. Um, And we hope of course that they stay around as well. And they have these great um, Bible study um, kind of readings. With that, um, thank you so much for joining us on Of Muggles and Mud Buds. My name is, of course, as usual, I haven't changed it yet, Tavi Wickman, and I'm here with... Lauren Amosa. Watch me one day change my name, just so I can throw people off and be like, oh, yeah, my, my name is... Don't do that. Um, and of course, I'll... thank you. Sorry, yes. I'll start introducing like myself with different names every single episode, just because... I want to say thank you to everyone that has decided to share this episode with a family member or a friend. Uh, please keep doing that. That's how we're going to grow. So, yeah, do if you have any other Harry Potter nerds in your family or your friend group, and I really hope you do because you got to have somebody to nerd out with, right? Please mm-hmm. do share this with them. Bring them into the magic. Um, yeah, 
and have a great weekend. Bye.